Tonight on Fig Tree Watchers, it's Friday Night Prophecy, and Io from Amitsu Study will be joining us. That will be next, here on Fig Tree Watchers. So, invite your friends. Let everyone know that tonight, the Fig Tree Watchers Friday Night Prophecy event is going on. That's right, where we discuss the news events of the week and how they relate to Bible prophecy. You're not going to miss it, because this is going to be one exciting night. So don't miss what's coming up next. Tell your friends, tell your grandma, tell Aunt Susie, tell your brother Dave, and uh, your Uncle Harry, it's time for Friday Night Prophecy. Hey, if you haven't noticed on the website, there's a new article. It's called The Congruency of Godly Sorrow. You can go to... FigTreeWatchers.com Check out the new posts there As well as other posts On the Tribulation by Brother Io Here uh, on Fig Tree Watchers Also you can remember Which is pretty cool That the um, Podcast is also available to you On this So it's going to be pretty exciting it Looks like we've got a good group joining us tonight Going to give it a couple more minutes For Brother Io to get on And join us we also want to remind you that the um, the lives are always saved here on FigTreeWatchers.com. You're welcome to view them and uh, uh, comment on them. Don't forget to hit the bell here on Instagram. Subscribe. Uh, we definitely need you to do that with all the uh, censoring that is going on. Uh, help us out with that, but subscribe, hit the bell, uh, make sure your notifications are there for every live and Bible study. And then don't forget to share the podcast. It's really exciting to see all the different countries that the podcasts are hitting, um, from Portugal to Spain. We're seeing them around the world, and it's, it's very exciting. So thank you all, and it looks like Brother Io has just joined us, so we're going to go ahead and... Bring him on live. <laughs> All right. Yeah, everyone's on here. Aaron Hall. How's everything going? All right. Well, yeah, we've got a great group here, and uh, there he is. Hey, brother. Hey, everyone. You were a little tad bit late tonight, huh? No, I'm usually on time. Well, <laughs> you don't invite me on until a few minutes after your introduction. I know. I'm just giving you a hard time. Hey, um, great week. I hope everyone's had a great Good Friday today. Yeah. And uh, um, what a what a fantastic time of year this is. Um, remember, people, we don't celebrate the Easter Bunny. We celebrate um, the death, we celebrate Palm Sunday, we celebrate the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ yeah. as believers. And so for us, it's not Easter, it's Resurrection Sunday. So when you go out in the grocery store on Sunday, you know, after church, make sure you say to someone, hey, happy Resurrection Day. Get a reaction out of them. See oh, what they think. Yeah, it's good to get a re reaction for sure. And, uh, because we don't celebrate some bunny that has nothing to do with Jesus. Mm -hmm. um, although I like chocolate bunnies. I eat chocolate bunnies. I don't worship chocolate bunnies. Um, 
but I do celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Yeah, and it's a great conversation start, guys. So we encourage you in your workplaces to your unsafe friends, you know, ask them, hey, what are you guys doing this weekend? Um, and then that'll give you an opportunity to be like, yeah, you know, me and my family are celebrating Easter, and this is why it means a lot to me. Um, I've been sharing the gospel with some of my coworkers. They're Indian. And ask them if they even know what the significance of Easter is. And to my surprise, they say, no, they don't know what the significance of Easter is. And that, that's been such a great, you know, uh, point to witness to them. Like, hey, this is why Easter is significant, not just for Christians, but for you too as well. So, so it's a great yep. opportunity, guys. Absolutely, absolutely. Hey, so we got a lot of things to discuss uh, this week and, and news events relating to uh, Bible prophecy. Before we do, as always, why don't you lead us in prayer? Sure, brother. Uh, Father, we just thank you uh, for this time of year again, Lord. We know, first of all, that we should be um, just rejoicing in the death, burial, and uh, resurrection of Jesus Christ every day of the year, not just one day of the year. Uh, but we just still thank you for this time. Uh, we just thank you. Uh, that we have this time on the calendar where we can uh, for sure even specially focus on this day, Lord, and, and use it to witness to others. Because everyone knows what Easter is, right? Everyone's heard of Easter. Similar to Christmas, everyone knows what Christmas is. And it's a great time to witness to others, to let them know uh, the joy that they also can have in your son, Lord. Uh, so we put it right now, uh, they use Brother Stefan and I to just talk about the current events of the day um, and tie it into all prophecy so we can encourage fellow believers and we can use this to share the gospel to non-believers. So we pray that you use us, Lord, that your spirit moves in this time. And just now I pray, amen. Amen, amen. Uh, it, you know, we're seeing a whole bunch of stuff coming into play this week. Um, we're seeing evil abound throughout the whole uh, world right now. I mean, in a great evil way. Um, we're seeing um, uh, truth being trampled upon, uh, love growing cold, mm -hmm. hate um, abounding. Um, and at the same time we're seeing this, we're seeing events both in the heavens and on the earth um, start to take place that are leading towards Bible prophecy. So one of the things that we're seeing that we know that in the Bible earthquakes are like a judgment from God is we saw this week earthquakes jump up about 20 um, earthquakes normally were right around 90, 88, right in there. It jumped up to 111 earthquakes around the world of 4.5 or greater on the Richter scale. Yeah. Uh, this is huge. This is really huge number. I mean, 111 is staggering for one week. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I completely agree with that. And every now and then I also see articles of like, a stray earthquake that happens here in the Philippines or a weird earthquake that happens here, you know, in the U.S. And then they're always saying, oh, man, could this be a prelude to the big one or something like that? Um, so, yeah, we're definitely seeing an increase in those natural disasters. Yeah, and we saw an, another article that came out um, that uh, was reported here that Alaska had 100 earthquakes around a dormant volcano. Uh, yeah. Yeah, so we're paying attention to the ring of mm -hmm. fire a lot as oh, yeah. believers um, because uh, we understand that, you know, eventually a third of the earth is going to be damaged. And we're always wondering how that's going to happen. And so we speculate, is it the ring of fire? Um, is it nuclear fire? What is it that's going to do this? Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, so just to, you know, kind of continue off of that, uh, going to a different topic here. Um, I just want to start off with technology. And I think for me, at least, the 
focus of tonight will be the Middle East because, I mean, a lot is going on in the Middle East. I know you called me earlier talking about the Passover, so we're going to be talking about that, Passover sacrifice on the Temple Mount. There's, there's a bit of a misinformation there, if I can use that word, coming from the Palestinian side. So there was a mock Passover sacrifice thing that happened. Then the Palestinians kind of took that like, oh, man, the Jews are going to, you know, raid the Temple Mount and this and that. And that's not true. So we're going to look at that. But a lot of that kind of rhetoric and everything else is, is starting a lot of violence in, uh, in Israel right now. So there's just a plethora of news uh, in the Middle East and Israel. But, but first, we're just going to focus on um, the, the least, quote unquote, important stuff. Uh, BBC News, this one, was, this one made headlines and kind of circulated around um, Christian um, social media this week. The microchip implant that lets you pay with your hands. This is BBC News, by the way. This isn't just a, you know, a prophecy website. This isn't a conspiracy theory website. This is BBC News, as mainstream as you can get. They're talking about this. Not in a bad light, but like, hey, cool, look at this. Could we possibly use this for future payments? So that shouldn't really surprise us. We know where this is going, Revelation 13, 16, and 17, the mark of the beast. But this, as we see these things... It shouldn't surprise us, just show us where we're headed. So again, BBC News, the microchip implant that lets you pay with your hand. The article says, Patrick Pullman causes a stir whenever he pays for something in a shop or a restaurant. This is because this 37-year-old doesn't need to use a bank card, use a mobile phone to pay. Instead, he simply places left hand near the contactless card reader and the payment goes through. So again, this article, you guys can read it. We'll be posting um, the notes in our uh, uh, Fixture Watchers telegram channel after this you guys can read this article in its entirety but basically they're just saying how this is a good thing they're talking about it and again this shouldn't surprise us we know where this is headed this is just a little further laying the groundwork getting people to accept this kind of thing like oh that's pretty cool he doesn't need a card uh you know he doesn't need this or that he can just you know bring his hand and swipe and and he's done um so that's what we're seeing right now in in terms of technology yeah it's it's amazing how this technology is dramatically increasing throughout uh, every aspect of it. Um, I've been seeing a commercial that's been going on on um, uh, the YouTube channels, and it's a, a new device, technology device you can have in your home that will will help you with um, identifying if you have COVID, COVID, and it will just kind of send you to your phone. Um, very creepy. All these technology devices, and you have them talking to each other. In the commercial, you know, there's the thermostat going, hey, it's the new person on the block, right? And they're all talking to each other. And meanwhile, the homeowner is oblivious to the fact that they're being overruled by technology. Yeah. Yeah. What's crazy is the more technology we have, the less we do with, uh, by ourselves, the less we know how to do by ourselves. So, I mean, I mean, I love technology, right? I work in the technology industry. I you know, I'm not bad mountain technology and it's important, but we, there is no over-dependence on it. And we know where technology can lead to. We know the Antichrist is going to use technology uh, to have this global government, global system, the Mark the Beast financial system. So, you know, the, and the, the elites too, right? With their fourth industrial revolution, they want to use technology, transhumanism. So this is where all this stuff is going. Um, in terms of world news, uh, skipping to another topic here as we just kind of try to uh, manage the time. The Jerusalem Post, China holds military drills around Taiwan as U.S. delegation visits. So again, guys, Ukraine and China, or Ukraine and Russia is really huge in the news. Um, 
COVID is kind of resurging based on what's going on in China, but we can't forget Taiwan and China. That's the thing. So article said, China said it conducted military drills around Taiwan on Friday as a U.S. congressional delegation visited the island in a move that pe the People's Liberation Army said was intended to target the wrong signal sent by the United States. This article is saying that Taiwan is saying that the U.S. is sending wrong signals to China, which provoked China to, to make this move. And now listen to this piece. So the article says, with Taiwan producing 90% of the world's high-end semiconductor products, it is a country of global significance, consequence, and impact. And therefore, it should be understood the security of Taiwan has a global impact. So it's a big deal. Whatever happens to Taiwan here, it's a huge deal. You don't know if China is going to make a move, but I mean, they've been saying, they've been looking at Ukraine and Russia, they've been saying that, hey, there's no superpower in the world that could ever do anything if we try to take Taiwan back, right? And if they took Taiwan back, it would be, I mean, things are bad right now, right? It would, it would be crazy, catastrophic. What that it, would it, will, it, it will completely devastate the United States. In fact, it's, it's actually a brilliant move by by China because we don't have enough chips. Um, I, the, the impact is devastating right now. It's affecting, I talked to somebody that was, that is in the medical field here in California. They're saying that if there's another shortage of chips, uh, the medical industry is going to be in such chaos um, because it, it means that machines that are out of date, that they're trying to replace with newer ones, those out-of-date ones have broken down. They're trying to get the new ones in. They can't um, because of requirements that the federal government put on them. Uh, and uh, they were saying that this is going to be devastating. People are going to die. And they're going to die what, what they shouldn't die from in mm -hmm. hospitals. Yeah. So this is a big issue. It's not just affecting the car industry. It's affecting trickle-down industries all the way through. China invades Taiwan. We're finished. I mean, yeah. it... it, it I, I mean, if I wanted to collapse the United States, I'd invade Taiwan right now. And there are people speculating that that invasion is within the month right now. Uh, top people in, in military positions are saying uh, China's about to do it within the month. Yeah, yeah. Oh, we'll see. But definitely can't take our eyes off of, off of China. Uh, another thing on China, as I mentioned earlier, with the COVID issue going on, um, I don't know if you guys have seen those videos. Like, there's especially one video where um, even The Guardian posted it, right? Where it's a video of, like, a city skyline, skyscrapers, and shouting. People shouting from their balconies. And it's, like, very airy, very creepy. At first, I was kind of iffy about it. I didn't trust it. I didn't know if it was propaganda or what. But, I mean, The Guardian posted it, and it's been making rounds in mainstream media. I mean, you know, I guess still take things with a grain of salt, but it's been... It's been uh, verified as true. These people from China locked down their homes. Sky, you know, skyscrapers living in their homes. They're locked in. They're screaming. They're yelling, uh, help. You know, they they don't have freedom. And it's very crazy. So that's currently what's going on in Shanghai right now, in China. Um, and just wanted to speak on kind of the impact that lockdown will have uh, on the rest of the world. So this is from the Globe and Mail. China's COVID nineteen lockdown dragged down economy and caused ripple effects around the world. Strict COVID-19 lockdowns in China, in Shanghai and other cities across China are dragging down the world's second largest economy, threatening key growth targets and causing international knock-on effects at a time of worldwide instability. Current measures, particularly the lockdown in Shanghai, home to the world's busiest container port, 
are also exasperating an already weakened global economy. So basically just the domino effect, right? Just one thing after another, one domino goes down, everything else tumbling. We have all these things, you know, happening at the same time. And how does this relate to Bible prophecy? Two ways. Number one, uh, the inflation uh, is escalating as uh, that we understand is in the, in the seal of the book of Revelation in which it's going to escalate to the point where a day's wages is going to cost you a loaf of bread. I mean, that's what it's going to be. You know, a loaf of bread is going to cost a whole day's wages, you know. Um, the second thing that we're seeing in this and why it's interesting to Bible prophecy is, yeah, we understand persecution, but these concentration camps that China is setting up for really non-religious people, now put that on a, on a global scale for religious people around the world uh, in which they're going to be marched into these camps and have their heads cut off. We're watching this at a global level now. China's preparing the scene. What we're seeing in China is a preparation of what the Antichrist is going to institute. If China can do this to their own population, it's going to be very easy for the United States to do it to us. Just look at the people that have been, uh, their civil rights have been trampled on from the January 6th protest from now uh, over a year ago. Uh, look at their civil rights violations that have happened to them by our government. Uh, whether you agree with it or not, the one thing you can't agree is that their rights were violated. Yeah, I mean, we, we can even throw in, you know, Australia there. I think throughout this whole pandemic, Australia has been, Australia and Canada, have been the two nations that have just been like the example, right? If the globalists want to find an example to follow, you, you look at those nations. I mean, even Bill Gates were like, hey, you know what Australia did? You know, next time we have a pandemic, the U.S. has to copy what Australia did. And we, I mean, they built literal camps, right? COVID <laughs> camps there. So we've all seen it. It's just astounding how this is happening in our time. But yeah, I mean, I can't imagine what's gonna happen in the tribulation, right? If this is what's happening now with the restrainer in place, what's gonna happen during the tribulation? So crazy stuff. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, hey, let's let's move on with, with something interesting that happened this week is um, France is having an election and the right-wing candidate in France uh, announced this week that she wants to divide Jerusalem. Uh, now, this is interesting because this is relating to Bible prophecy, the idea of dividing Jerusalem. I want to read you Joel chapter 3, verse 2. I will gather all nations and bring them down from the valley of Jehoshaphat, and I will enter into judgment with them there on behalf of my people and my heritage Israel, because they have scattered them among the nations and have divided up my land. Mm -hmm. So there, this is the dividing of the land. And then listen to this one from um, Zechariah, I mean, Joel, I'm sorry, Joel 3, 4. What are you to me, to me O Tyre, O Sidon, and all the regions of Philistia? Are you paying me back for something? If you are paying me back, I will return your payment on your own head swiftly and speedily. So here in Joel uh, 3.4, God is warning the, the rebel rousers that are around Israel, the, the, in Philistine, in, in Tyre, in Sidon. This is where the um, Hezbollah area is and Hamas is saying, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put it on your head. And it's going to come swiftly and it's going to come speedily. Okay. You think you're coming after me? It's not going to happen. Then finally, this last verse that I just want to share with you. 
um, because this is the prophecy about the battle that's going to happen in Israel. It's not one that's happened. It's one that's coming. Zechariah 13, 8 through 9. And the whole land, declares the Lord, two-thirds shall be cut off and perish, and one-third shall be left alive. And I will put this third into the fire and refine them as one refined silver and test them as gold is tested. They will call upon my name and I will answer them and I will say, they are my people and they will say, the Lord is my God. And then this is a prophecy in which Paul later alludes to in Romans chapter 11 when he says, all of Israel will be saved. Mm -hmm. He's talking about, here's the remnant of Israel that will be saved. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, guys, what Brother Stefan pointed out there, some that we've pointed out in the past, we haven't really been talking about the division and like the two-state solution as much. Um, but I mean, that's the important thing. I mean, we, we've talked about a lot here in terms of voting for the right people here, that, hey, whoever you want to vote for, make sure they're not supporting the two-state solution. Why? Because what Joel 3 says, when Jesus Christ comes back, he's going to gather nations. And one of the things he's going to judge them for is the division of the land. And that's, so that's a huge thing. So I saw that article as well, I think on Israel 365 News, how this, you know, this new candidate here is saying that, hey, she, she wants the two-state solution, she wants to divide the land, and that's, ooh, that's a problem. And that also shows us um, the worldwide view on Israel, right? It's like lots of countries around the world, they're like two-state solution, two-state solution. Israel, if you just want peace, just give up more land, peace, uh, land for peace, right? That's that's what they always say. But you know, that's not what the Arabs want. The Arabs want Israel annihilated completely. They want all the land. Um, yes. So yeah, that just shows the, you know, the mindset they're drifting towards or trying to put Israel in a position. Hey, two-state solution, divide the land, do it for peace. And Jesus says that when he comes back, he's going to judge nations because of that. Yeah, you know, I mean, we're talking about this very clearly right now. Look, there is an absolute intent by Iran, by Hezbollah, uh, by Hamas to exterminate the Jewish people of Israel. Not just allow them a place to exist, but to exterminate them. Not only that, but the holy sites, right? If you destroy all the holy sites, I mean, you can argue that Jesus didn't come back. You can say, well, there's no archeological evidence. You can make these nonsense claims because you've destroyed them, right? And that's what they've done uh, throughout the history um, in Islam, they've destroyed Christian sites so they could come back and say, see, they don't exist. The problem is, is that people who actually study history know that they were destroyed. Um, and one of the attacks that took place was actually, there were police officers who were trying to do repairs to Joseph's tomb. And uh, the t terrorists attacked the, the soldiers and the police officers who were trying to repair the tomb. And IDF had to kill them off. So it, it was an attack on archaeology. It's not just an attack on let's kill Israel, but it's an attack on biblical archaeology, on the history of the land. And one more thing that I want to point out. The church doesn't have any land. So for people who say hey, this is about the church, you're misinterpreting it. No, God is saying he's talking about the land. There is no biblical promise to the church regarding land. Yep. There's a spiritual promise of heaven, but it's not the land on earth. Only the Jewish people are promised the land. And that's one of the great distinctions between Israel and the church. They have a land promise. We have a heavenly promise. Okay. Um, they, they have a, a promise to 
uh, to God fulfilling the covenant, okay, we have the new covenant. <laughs> so there's a distinction there between the two. Yeah. Oh, man. Don't get me started, brother. I, I just wanted to applaud you there because that's such an amazing point. We've touched on this in previous show on replacement theology. Um, if you guys want to go back and check that out. But I mean, that's so true, right? Israel, for one, well, another thing I'd include there is Israel is a nation, actual nation, actual government. The church is not a nation. We're just people right. from all tribes, tongues. Yeah. So, I mean, it's so clear from scripture that we're two different groups. Replacement theology is false. It's demonic. Don't believe it. Yeah. And I, and I want to I make this very clear also. The, the word that is used in the Greek, the ecclesiastical word there, is it actually represents in in the Greek it represents the word congregation, okay? It's the congregation. Mm -hmm. And by the way, I think in in Joel chapter two, one of the strongest verses of that prophesies about um, this event of Israel being persecuted in the last days is the idea that the congregation is up in heaven, the bride and the bridegroom, because they've been gathered together after the trumpet blows. Um, in Joel chapter two. And we see that there and it says, gather the holy congregation together. It doesn't say gather the nation together. It says gather the holy congregation together. And it, even the nursing moms and the children. And I think that's a really powerful thing that we're seeing in that, um, in that passage, uh, especially when it talks about the elders and everything else that's in there. So as we're talking about Israel here, uh, last week, as you recall, some of you guys were here. We talked about recently that um, Naftali Bennett, the current prime minister of Israel, one of the people in his party left, right? So that made mm. them have, that made, uh, because she left, um, what happened was that they're no longer the majority uh, in terms of their government in Israel. And we said that, hey, that's a problem that's going to start causing some instability in the Israeli government. Well, that's still an ongoing issue, and it's now escalating to where part of the coalition, because you guys remember Naftali Bennett, he had to also basically buddy up with the Arab, Arabic um, Muslim party there, uh, Ram, they're called. And now Ram, now that they see that Naftali Bennett's whole coalition is basically in disarray, now they're trying to use that as leverage to be, basically make demands against the Israeli government, which is, <laughs> it's crazy. And Hamas is like backing up Raham and it's it's insane. Uh, but the Times of Israel, amid vaunts on Temple Mount, Raham, again, a, a part of uh, the Arab party, who is a part of Naftali Bennett's coalition, warns coalition in danger, PM holds assessment. So the leader of the Islamist Raham party said Friday that he had informed his coalition partners that violent clashes on the Temple Mount in Jerusalem were a red line that could further harm Israel's unstable government. Now, these are his words. He says, the continued harm to Al-Aqsa, one of the mosques, is a red line for us, including in the context of coalition stability. So he's using what's going on uh, in terms of Temple Mount stability. So Palestinians are inciting bonds, things like that. The Israeli government, rightfully so, are putting their cops there, police there, to stop that violence. Now, Raham is saying that, hey, you can't do that. Leave them alone or else we're going to pull out and you're going to be more unstable and you won't have a say in the Israeli government. So they're using that as leverage. And it's like blackmail almost. Very dirty move, in my opinion. Yeah, I, continues. I, yeah, sure. Go ahead. I know I, 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 there's another article that brings up in which the Israeli top Arab lawmaker calls to disband the IDF and police. So... Here is that claim that is going on, um, wow. and, and that's 
Um, you know, and he says this, and I just want to quote, his name is O'Day. He says, my sentiments were most moral. The entire world would accept them. So that's a direct quote from it. And that's um, very interesting because notice the world will accept it. Absolutely. The world will, because the world is against anything that is God. It's against Israel. It's against the church. It's against the Ten Commandments. It's against the moral attributes of God. It's against everything that is right. The world will, of course, accept it, but it's not moral in God's behavior. It's moral because in Satan's mind, it's moral. It's an evil act. And God said, you know what? You do this, and I will bring judgment. Now, the same time he's saying this, one more article, and I'm going to let you take back over. Israel concludes a successful trial of a ground-based laser interception mm -hmm. system. Yes. Now, <clears throat> why is that a big deal? Because why people bring up the Psalm 83 war and the Ezekiel 38-39 war as two separate battles is very important. In the Psalm 83 battle, Israel's military wins. In Ezekiel 38-39, God wins. God does all the winning. Mm, so that the whole world will know that I am God, he says, and that all of Israel will know that I'm God, right? Says it twice in there, in Ezekiel 38 and 39. In the Psalm 83 battle that a lot of people have speculation is a battle that precedes the Ezekiel 38-39. It's yeah. kind of like this tribal war. This is one of those things that we need to be watching because could Psalm 83 happen before the rapture or could it happen after the rapture? A lot of people are, are wondering there. Um, it's one of those ideas that it, that is kind of looked upon. Mm -hmm. And it's something very important to pay attention to. Your thoughts? Yeah, and just to continue with the article I was uh, talking about here. And then, and then I'm, I'm focusing on this uh, political instability right now because it's, it's very important. I'm going to get another article here just to kind of show you what some Israelis are, are seeing this as. Um, so just to continue with this article. Um, in the case of Alaska, there are no political considerations he added. Uh, the current Israeli government has been brought to the brink of collapse <laughs> in recent days. After a member of Prime Minister Naftali Bennett's Yamina party quit the coalition, causing it to lose its razor-thin majority, so that's what I was talking about earlier, the 120-member Knesset is now deadlocked with both the coalition opposition comprising 60 seats apiece. What does that mean? If a piece of legislation or bill comes in place, a decision can't easily be made unless the opposing side joins them. How likely is that going to happen, right? The Raham chiefs Comments came as clashes broke out between Palestinians and Israeli police at the Temple Mount early Friday morning. Over 150 Palestinians were injured. Uh, Raham M.K. Kazan Gnaim later threatened to quit the coalition if the actions of the security forces at the Blessed Alex Mosque aren't halted immediately. And they also said a government that acts this way has no right to exist. So this, guys, these are statements not from Hamas, not from Hezbollah terrorist groups. These are statements from the Arab coalition that are currently making the component of the Israeli government right now, they're saying if the Israeli government continues to protect itself essentially, they have no right to exist. And they're using the instability as leverage to say that if you continue your actions, you will pull out for further instability and chaos. Now, why does any of that matter? Well, on the surface level, Iran is right there, right? Literally on their border, on the Golan Heights, um, threatening them, using proxies, Hamas, Hezbollah, 
Islamic Jihad. They're trying to do all these crazy stuff during Ramadan to wipe Israel off the map. July 8th, they're saying, uh, which is, again, that false Islamic prophecy. But on a prophetic note, why does this matter? Saw this article today from Israel National News. This is the headline. Were Mishiach to appear now, he could be overwhelmingly accepted. Mishiach, just another name for Messiah in Hebrew. The article says Mishiach could come very suddenly, even without miracles. Why are they saying this? The political deadlock in Israel and global fear and uncertainty are signs of swift changes sweeping through the atmosphere. Anything is possible now, and the impossible is already happening. When this government falls, which could happen very soon, the political deadlock in Israel will only steepen. No one in power is really fit to rule anymore, and the people are tired of elections. Where Mishiach to appear now, he could be overwhelmingly accepted. Now, I'm going to tell you guys, the Mishiach they're looking for, he already came 2,000 years ago. That's Jesus, but they don't accept him. Now, the Mishiach they will accept, the quote-unquote Messiah, is going to be the Antichrist. So it's very right. interesting. Again, we're in this time where, you know, third time preparations, they're like, oh, the Messiah's coming. He's right around the corner. He's at the door. We're having this political instability. Everything's going on around the world, you know, convergence. They, they're just waiting for the man of the hour to step on stage, right? And the world, not just Israel, too. We're seeing Zelensky. He's that strange guy right now that people are like, you know, they have a song for him. Is this the guy who's going to save the day? He's, you know, the world leader, whatever. I'm not saying he's the answer. But what we're seeing in Israel and the world is the same thing. They're, accept, they're expecting one man to show up to save the day, whether it's Israel, save the day, save the government, whether it's the world, bring peace, bring stability. So this is just a prelude to what the Antichrist is going to bring, a false peace later. We're already seeing calls for this right now in the world and Israel at the same time. Amazing. Yeah. And, and by the way, and I think this is part of that, that mess that's coming, you know, that we're talking about. You know, mm -hmm. just to, you mentioned it. I, I want to give you the prophecy that Psalm 83 gives. And we've been talking about Iran wanting to, to wipe out Israel. Listen to this. Okay. And it says this um, in verse three, uh, they have taken crafty counsel against your people and consulted together against your sheltered ones. They have said, come and let us cut them off from being a nation that the name of Israel may be remembered no more. Mm. This is exactly what Iran's talking about. This is what exactly what Hamas and Hezbollah and the Muslim Brotherhood, they're all saying that we want Israel gone as a nation and that no one will ever remember them anymore, even destroying the monuments, the archaeology, all those things. So this is really important with what you're talking about. The second thing to uh, to address that I think is is really important in what you talked about there uh, is this clear understanding that as we're moving forward in these events, uh, that God is intervening. He is uh, doing things that is messing with the enemy uh, because he is in control of all things. And... Uh, that's the one thing we have to put our faith in as Christians. God is in control. His sovereign will is there. He will protect those that he will protect. He will rescue those he will rescue. And he will accomplish everything into his will. And I think that's an important thing that we have to put our faith in. Amen. Amen. Uh, so I got one more article here concerning the coalition uh, instability. And then I'll move on to the Passover. And I'm sure you have some, some thoughts on the Passover sacrifice, reenactment, and all that stuff. 
Uh, before that, I just want to touch on this other article from Jewish Insider, Benny Gantz. He said, hard to see where coalition will be next week. So again, guys, this coalition instability, it's not just like, oh, you know, they still have their government, they're good. <laughs> Bennett right now is really defense minister, Benny Gantz. He's saying that, hey, I don't know what's going to happen next week <laughs> with the government, right? It could fall into shambles as soon as next week. That's how dire this situation is for Israel. They don't need this right now, right? Uh, Israeli Defense Minister Benny Gantz expressed uncertainty about the future of the Israeli coalition government led by Prime Minister Naftali Bennett and Foreign Minister Yari, Yari Lapid after the coalition lost its one seat majority in the Knesset last week. He said, I hope that we can keep the government. It is very hard to see where we are going to be next week. Um, so it's just not a good place to be with just everything going on right now. Um, I saw an article about how Hamas said that, hey, we could have a six-month war with Israel. We're, we're, and we're fine with that, right? So just crazy, crazy stuff um, that these guys are saying, these guys are inciting. And by these guys, I mean the Palestinian uh, Authority, um, Hamas, Islamic Jihad, Hezbollah, Iran, all of them. Yeah, I and mean, this is exactly uh, what Psalm 83 is referring to as the tents of, of these nations, the tribal groups of these nations. Um, you mentioned something else that I think is really important, and that is um, Israel is looking for a, a, a leader, a savior, okay? The world is looking for a leader, a savior. It's interesting to me, this week, um, Showtime released a, um, a video uh, of an upcoming um, movie that they're going to release on Showtime called The Man Who Fell to the Earth, right? So the moment I saw that, I thought, oh, wow, Revelation 12, Satan falling, Isaiah 14, look at the man. Is this the man who shook the earth, the one that's in the pit? And I thought, wow, the crazy title uh, can't be about the Antichrist, except the very first thing the guy does up there is he says, hey, you know, I am a tech god, a, a god of, you know, the tech god, a Willy Wonka of sorts. And it's funny because that is interesting in technology, you have these things called fortresses, like to protect the technology. You put in security. Mm -hmm. The Bible says that the Antichrist believes, he believes not in the God of his fathers, but in the God of fortresses, mm -hmm. technology, um, iron systems uh, that he wants. He believes in that. Why? Because he wants to bring about a solving solution for the world's economic problems. Uh, through the mark of the beast. It will be absolutely secure. It will be impenetrable. It will not be able to be broken up. It can't be corrupted. Um, that's what he wants. And it's a deceiving lie. We have to be aware. We have to pay attention. We cannot be deceived. And I think it's important. If you, if you guys get a chance, look at the little uh, preview that they have of that upcoming film. Even the snake eyes of the of this this guy just it creeped me out i went wow hollywood finally got an antichrist movie done right and without them realizing that's what they were doing yeah yeah that i mean that movie you know we could say antichrist you could also say you know um fallen angels it's just yeah. it just it just reeks of that right just and it and it's not like it's the first movie of its kind right there's billions <laughs> i don't want to say billions but tons what i'm trying to say is there's tons of movies of oh this being fall from outer space and it's the savior of mankind or this alien or this whatever godlike being is gonna so they're obviously prepping us for something whether it's alien invasion quote unquote or or fallen angels or, or whatever but this is just a recurring theme 
And it's not just by coincidence or pure entertainment that they're doing this. We know who's behind it. And, and there's, a, there's a reason for it. So yeah, that's at least yeah. my thoughts. Some people may disagree, but I truly believe that's be the case. Yep, absolutely. Okay, what else do you have for us? Yeah, so yeah, let's dive into the Passover thing. So Israeli 365 News, Passover sacrifice reenactment takes place despite threats of terror. And you guys, again, uh, at first when I was digging into this, I was hearing uh, kind of two different stories mashed up into one. It's kind of hard if you don't know what's going on here. It's kind of hard to separate them. What you might be hearing in the news or on, you know, uh, websites or social media pages sharing this stuff is that um, sacrifice has either been done or a group wants to do a live sacrifice and uh, like Palestinians and Hamas and everything is inciting violence against that sacrifice. Well, that's not really the full story. What's actually going on is that there is a mock sacrifice done, which is done every year, and the government worked with the group to do that. That's no surprise. But then the Palestinians kind of took that and blew it up into what it's not because a fringe group wanted to do a live sacrifice, but they weren't given the ability to. So that's all that happened. And, and as I read this, that will kind of explain that more clearly. So on Monday, the United Temple Movements organized the full dress reenactment of the Passover sacrifice in preparation for the reinstitution of the temple service. Uh, and another reason why I'm bringing this up is just because of the significance it has to the rebuilding of the third temple. Because a lot of the stuff they're doing here, uh, the priests that they're employing, the, the clothes, they're using these things because they're looking ahead. They're using these things in preparation for the third temple. So that's significant in that way as well. Uh, it says, Kohanim carried out the reenactment. Jewish men who can trace their ancestry back to Aaron, thy priests wearing the vestments mandated by the Torah. The ceremony was accompanied by blasts from silver trumpets specific, uh, specially prepared for the use in the Third Temple. Rabbi Shimson Elboin, who organized the event, emphasized that all arrangements were coordinated with the municipal and government authorities. He said, 10 years ago, we were forced to hold the reenactment several miles away from the Temple Mount, nowhere near the old city. Now listen to this. As the reenactment becomes more popular, hmm, that's interesting, it's becoming more popular, the authorities are warming up to the event. It is, after all, an expression of the biblical roots of the country. Oh, that's, that's interesting. Okay. Unfortunately, fringe groups unassociated with the temple movement tried to hold actual sacrifices without working with the government. The Palestinians posted these on social media to incite violence. So again, there's two narratives going on here. There's the mock sacrifice, and there's the fringe group, at least they're calling it fringe group, who wants to do an actual sacrifice Palestinians and, and the terrorists are jumping on that to incite violence. So I hope that kind of clears things up for people. Another article here that just talks about this. Uh, and I'll get back to Respond. The Times of Israel, Hamas threatens Israel over, quote, extremists' plans for Passover sacrifice on Temple Mount. The Hamas terror group on Wednesday threatened Israel over plans by Jewish activists to conduct ritual sacrifices on Jerusalem's flashpoint Temple Mount saying it would not allow it at any cost. But again, that's not what's actually going on here. They just totally made that scenario up to incite violence. Israeli authorities vowed to stop any attempts to bring sacrificial animals to the complex as they have in years past. The returning to the Mount Extremist group, which advocates the construction of a third Jewish temple, I really wonder why they're called extremists. I don't know, uh, but that's what they're calling them. But they're advocating for a third Jewish temple. So again, interesting. Some of should pay attention to. 
the construction of the third Jewish temple on the site that once housed two biblical temples announced on Facebook Monday that it would be offering a cash prize to those who managed to sacrifice the lamb on the temple mount and to anyone arrested trying to do so. So they're trying to, this, this group here is trying to give incentive to those who can actually get to the temple mount and offer a sacrifice. Uh, but if that were to happen, oh my gosh, that'd be crazy. That'd be World War Three, <laughs> right there. Uh, but yeah, just very interesting times. Again, it has prophetic significance for the third temple. We know that the Antichrist will come to third temple midway through tribulation, stop the sacrifices, declare himself to be God. So these things are significant in that light as well. So, by the way, and, and this is important to understand, that when he comes into power, he makes a treaty, mm -hmm. okay? The Antichrist does. He confirms the covenant of many. He doesn't make the treaty. It's already in place, but he confirms it, right? The, the next thing that happens is that Israel's allowed to build their temple, and they're allowed to make sacrifices. Understand this. Under that treaty, Israel's allowed to make sacrifices. How do we know that? Because three and a half years in, he breaks it and brings an end to sacrifices. Yeah. Now, there, there's two arguments in this part. One is the physical sacrifice that Israel's doing. He'll put an end to. But I think he's also going to do an abomination of desolation within the temple of God itself for the believers because he, he begins to slay what I think is a mass slaying that takes place um, at the abomination of desolation. Okay. Yeah, so, I mean, that's, that's that. A lot of stuff is going on. We know where that's going to, perfectly speaking. Um, another article here concerning just the oil, again, with Ukraine and Russia. Uh, we've covered this in past weeks as well, but it's just a reoccurring thing. It's not going away. It's ramping up, and there are, people are actually considering it. Can Israel su uh, supply oil to Europe uh, as they try to wean off of Russian oil? So we're just, again, we're going to probably be bringing this back time and time again, but it's happening. They're not, you know, shying away from it. It's becoming a big thing now. I'm um, just trying to find the article here again. Uh, right here. So the Times of Israel, as EU eyes stopping Russian fuel imports, Israel sees an opening for its natural gas. As Europe aims to wean itself off Russian fuel, uh, fossil fuel because of the Ukraine invasion, Israel hopes to help fill the gap with gas from its offshore reserves. Now, this cracked me up. What I'm about to read here, uh, because although Israel or you, the, uh, Europe and the EU, they're trying to act really big. They're trying to play tough guy and say, hey, we're going to ban Russian oil experts and we're not going to use Russian oil. Note this date that they give to be totally off of Russian oil dependence. Note this date. EU states remain uh, divided on the time scale, but European Commission President Ursula von der, von der Leyen has said that the bloc hopes to phase out its dependency on Russian, oil, uh, Russian gas, oil, and coal by 2027 in five years. Do you guys think they have five years to, to get off dependency of Russian oil? So it just kind of cracked me up. But again, uh, that's what's that's currently what they're talking about. They want to get off Russian net gas a little bit too late. I think we discussed as well where um, when President Trump was still president, he went to the uh, the UN and he called out Germany. I still remember it. Watch the video. He said, hey, Germany, you guys are dependent on Russian gas right now. If you guys don't quit it and become energy dependent, you know, they're, you're basically going to be a Russian's beck and call. And they laughed at him. They thought he was an idiot. They thought he didn't know what he was talking about. And now <laughs> what he said actually happened and who's laughing now. Uh, so it's just crazy. 
Um, but they're just trying to see if Israel can be, you know, can fill in the gap there. And why is it significant? Significant in terms of what could be happening for Israel, uh, Ezekiel 38, the setup there, where nations such as Iran, Turkey, Russia go against Israel for spoil, for economic gain. And part of that gain could very well be the oil there. If Israel does truly um, supply Russia or Europe with oil, circumventing Russia, well, that's going to deplete Russia. And we're already seeing how Russia is becoming more antagonistic towards Israel. So it just seems like just an easy progression. If Israel does that, Russia's not going to be happy about it. So that could be another reason for Russia to go against Israel in the future for the oil reserves they have. We know they, they have crazy oil reserves. The Leviathan, um, I think the Golan Heights has like billions of like metric tons or I forgot what the units they used to uh, measure it, but they have just untapped oil reserves that, that makes Israel energy independent in terms of oil. Right. So it's very crazy, yeah. Yeah, and, and by the way, this is the interesting thing. So right now, uh, in 2018, 30% of Israel's energy, electric energy, came from coal. 66% uh, came from natural gas, but Israel only used 5% of their total natural gas output to, to utilize for their own country. 3% yeah. uh, came from renewable energies, solar, wind, those kind of things, right? Um, Natural gas is expected to rise from 66% um, to 70%. So uh, that, that was from 2018 stat. They've already gone to almost 90% uh, here in 2022. They're only utilizing 7% of their natural gas output for their own country, mm -hmm. um, according to this stat, Huge. which is pretty, pretty shocking um, because that's super efficient for mm -hmm. a country. Uh, if California could do that, it would be like a miracle, right? Um, but w we don't. Mm -hmm. This is one more thing I want you to think about for a moment, okay? If Taiwan gets invaded and all those chips are gone, right? This is going to cause a major catastrophe because we will not be able to have the electric cars that we're supposed to have by 2035, which means that we have to go back to building gas cars and we have literally been shutting down oil companies, mm -hmm. shutting them down, you know, dismissing them, not letting, you know, the Keystone pipeline go into play. None of these things. We're going to have a inflationary hike beyond measure. That's going to make gasoline go 15, 20, $25 a uh, gallon in this country. Uh, because you're not going to be able to service those those electric cars never hit the road. Yep. Um, and they're going to now need to make cars without chips, which I think is a great idea personally. But Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, 10 minutes left, guys. I just wanted to end off on this article, which I think is so important because we always end off saying like, hey, why, why does it even matter if Brother Stefan and I come up here talking about current events, about prophecy? Why does it matter? Um, so part of that answer I want to give in this article, which I think was a great article, Harbinger's Daily, Seven Dangers of Neglecting Biblical Prophecy in the Pulpit. So I'm going to answer that question by addressing the dangers of not touching on Bible prophecy. What does it do? This article says, someone might ask, why does that matter? Does it really make a difference if preachers keep quiet on future things as long as they proclaim the gospel of biblical clarity? The article says it not only matters a great deal, but it's also dangerous to ignore a topic the Bible uh, emphasizes over and over again. The neglect of biblical prophecy in the pulpit results in, one, believers relying upon social media and the internet for end times theology. Now, when they're talking about this, they're kind of talking about the negative end of that, right? 
Um, I mean, right now, Brostify and I are using social media to speak on broad prophecy, to deliver the truth to you guys. But at the same time, there's more falsehood than truth. So if people aren't getting the truth from pulpits, they're going to go somewhere else for it. And that can be dangerous. Two, the flourishing of false teaching. Uh, so they said many pastors fear causing division in their congregation and thus remain silent on matters related to bright, and the rapture about prophecy. However, they fail to realize that it's their refusal to preach on what the Bible says on this matter that has led to the very diversity of opinions in their churches. And we see this online, right? Uh, with the COVID uh, vaccine, for example, we had many believers coming to us, brothers and sisters in Christ we care about, uh, you know, sometimes in tears, in agony, it's saying, that, hey, you know, I, I took this because I, I felt that I needed to, and my doctor recommended it, whatever. And, and am I going to hell? Did I lose my salvation? It's the mark of the beast, you know? And they're getting these ideas from other people who are, who are saying these things. So we're seeing false ideas on social media or just being preached. Um, and it, would, it could be mitigated if pastors just talked about it instead of running away from it. Three, believers looking to this life for their immediate hope instead of looking onward. So another consequence of silence in the pulpits regarding future things is that believers look for hope in the things other than Jesus' imminent appearing. Four, reduced motivation for godly living. The Lord intended our hope in the rapture to be a motivation for godly living. Our hope in Jesus' imminent return has a purifying impact on our lives. Uh, five, believers that are unprepared for the dangers that lie ahead for this world. As they said, the scarcity of preaching on biblical prophecy leaves believers unprepared and unaware of what's to come. Um, I mean, just a few weeks ago, right, we talked about how to prepare strategically, uh, what it looks like, you know, storing up food, uh, investing in gold and silver and things like this. What does that look like? So we know because of Bible prophecy, these things are coming. And we don't want to deceive you guys. We, we, we Rose Stefan and I are emphatic on the fact that we are not going to go through a tribulation. We'll be out of here before that happens. But the Bible makes it clear it is possible we can have our times. You just said in this world, you'll have tribulation. Not that we will go through the tribulation, but we will have difficulties. Some of us are having difficulties right now. So if we just kind of hide our hands in the sand and say, oh, about prophecy, we don't care about that. Well, it could be a really bad detriment to us if we're not paying attention to what's to come, right? So that's why we want to inform you guys of these things to give you hope, but to also inform you of what's to come, how to prepare if needed. Six, believers not watching the Lord's appearing as Jesus instructed us to do. So they said, uh, referring to his return, Jesus said this in Matthew 24, 20, uh, 44, that, we should, that basically we should be watching. Uh, for his return. In the same discourse, the letters said, watch therefore if you know neither the day nor the hour. So Jesus' instruction led to a church that eagerly anticipated his return. And finally, the seventh one, the convergence of prophetic signs. If you're not aware about prophecy, you're not going to be aware of everything going on. We touched on technology, Taiwan, Ukraine, inflation, food shortages, um, Temple Mount, the third temple, Antichrist, so many things. So just to end this off here, the article says, in Tom Hughes' article titled, Five Reasons Pastors Don't Teach About Prophecy, he said this, Let Jesus also be the example in what we teach and preach. He taught a great deal about his second coming and the signs surrounding it. We should too. Uh, a realistic look at our world is indeed scary and grows more ominous with each passing day. But as we view current events through the lens of Scripture and what it promises us about our future, the Lord gives us strength and peace to face the joyous future that lies ahead for us. And that's, and I think that's a great way 
of just using it as a, a segue to say that, hey, that's the message, that's the mission, bro, Stefan and I have when we come up here, you know, every weekend to talk about Bible prophecy. We don't do so to scare you guys or, you know, cause you guys to panic. We do so to say, hey, let's look at this prof prophetic lens. We as believers have a joyous future to look forward to. And if you haven't, you know, believed in the Lord for your eternal security, I mean, Easter is around the corner, right? Where this is Easter weekend, Passion Week. Uh, where we celebrate the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Think about that. Look into it. There's historical evidence. First of all, I'll be getting on here tomorrow to talk about the historical evidence of the crucifixion, the resurrection, and all that good stuff. So we exhort you, if you're not a believer yet, to believe on Christ, to look into that evidence so you won't go through this terrible time period. And most of all, so you won't face God's judgment for eternity, right? So that's the reason we're sharing this stuff for you guys. Amen. Amen. Hey, um, I have nothing else to say that because that was perfect. And I think that was uh, the best ending right there. Totally agree with everything you said. Um, real quick, brother and I will be on tomorrow night for uh, Saturday Apologetics. He'll be joining me uh, as we discuss the proof of uh, Easter, uh, the Resurrection Sunday, as we like to say it. Um, so remember, tomorrow, um, as you're going to the store, say, say to someone, hey, tomorrow's Resurrection Sunday. Are you excited? Ask them about it. Um, but uh, with that being said, we will see you tomorrow night at 9 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, an hour earlier. And uh, as we go over the apologetics and evidence of Christ's uh, resurrection and his coming to Jerusalem. All right. God bless you all and good night. Have a good night, guys.